Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also find the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else that you listen to us. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us that five-star review. And we're going to talk about judging in MMA, so you can brush up on the criteria at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, you got to give credit where it's due. Who did I pick to win? I thought you picked Connor. No, I said Dustin Poirier by decision, didn't I? Oh, I didn't remember that. Isn't that what I said? I have no idea. Oh, man. I don't know now, who you picked. Now you're making me doubt myself. I thought I I thought I actually picked uh, Poirier th- to win. I thought we were in agreement on Connor, but I'm not oh, positive. Man. All right, well. I guess I guess that boast could be empty. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll go back. I'll, I've already forgotten everything that happened a few days ago. Is just completely left my mind. <laughs> I was a hundred percent wrong on Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler. Oh yeah, he definitely were. I was I was wrong too. I but I certainly allowed for that possibility. I did at least s- in my head. <laughs> To maybe give you some credibility, I think I saw on Twitter you posted you told someone to take Poirier by decision. Oh, maybe I did. I, I don't know. I remember seeing that. I don't remember what you what your official pick on the show was though. If you... uh, a friend of mine, I told him, uh, I said if he was looking to do kind of like a very you know low stakes parlay, yeah, maybe a couple bucks or something like that, that he could go with uh, Poirier by decision and uh, Dan Hooker by you know just victory. Ah, okay. Wouldn't it didn't work out? He played it didn't work out, but uh, he did give me props for getting uh, Poirier there. Okay, good. Although obviously not a decision, didn't no. go past that seven and a half minute mark that Conor McGregor Man. does seems to. I don't know. It's not that he lost steam here. I, I don't think he got tired. Oh no, I don't think he was tired. Fight. I mean, he was probably on his way to getting tired, but he wasn't tired yet. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like you said, his leg was dead, and, and I believe it. It certainly looked like it. Uh, from all the physical evidence that we saw, but it is just funny. It's it, it just seems like whenever that midway through the second round comes, it, the wheels tend to often come off on Connor. Not always, but very yeah. often. It just doesn't look like he's the same fighter anymore. Yeah, he was. Poirier looked really good. The, like those the leg kicks were nasty. I don't think he's ever felt any real uh, like wow. I can't move. Like I think he might have panicked a little bit. I think what I've seen a lot of people point out, I don't want to take credit for this uh, this thought. This was not me, but I've seen a lot of people point out on social media today is the fact that when you get Connor up against the fence, he's just a different fighter. He just doesn't he doesn't react very well. Uh, and that's what happened here. Looked like it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so if, if that's uh, if that's something people were saying before the fight, too, and not just after it, I mean, credit to them for for being on point with that uh, that analysis i am not the greatest with fight analysis that type of thing like i can't break down a fight exactly like that uh and i admire people who can but uh but yeah i mean that is something that i'm definitely gonna be looking for in the future yeah so he doesn't want to get bullied against the fence uh i also saw a lot of people point out that connor used to be all about movement and he seemed to be like kind of a sitting target it didn't help especially when the leg kicks were starting to come. Those calf kicks that obviously just tore up Connor's lead leg. Who Poirier credited Jim Miller for that? Did he? I didn't. He, I missed that. He what said. Did he, say? he said, "I know how effective these things are. I've had it happen to me. Jim Miller destroyed my calf. No kidding. In a, in a fight. Uh, so I, I know how effective these things can be. Our old uh, AMA guy. Yep. And former guest on the show. Oh, yep. He was. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Connor. Obviously, we talked about Connor, but. He didn't win the fight 
Dustin Poirier won the fight. Dustin put on a good show. And he, he was he honestly like he he obviously lost the first round on all three cards. Um, you know, no question. That was not the strongest of first rounds. He laid the groundwork though. He was doing what he tips. wanted to do, even though he lost the round. He was. He was playing the long game. Uh, and he took some stiff shots. Like there was some some stiff stinging. He ate a good stinging left from Connor in the first round that you kind of looked at him. And he's like, he took it and it buzzed him. But you almost got this sense like, OK, I, I can take that power now. I a lot of the time, I think there was like three strikes that Connor landed and Poirier had weird reactions to like his head was like rolling around. I was like, whoa, is he rocked or isn't he rocked here? Yeah, some weird reactions. I thought so too. I mean, Connor obviously he didn't really pounce or anything like that. He was very patient. So if there was anything there, he either missed it or there really wasn't anything there. And I, I'm inclined to trust Connor's judgment there. The man has killer instinct. Mm-hmm. I mean, hardly any kicks came from Connor. I thought I thought Poirier fought a good fight, destroying that leg. I thought he yeah. Should... Con- I mean, Connor's not necessarily as interested in kicking. I think no, as, but at least anymore. I mean, he's he's certainly fallen in love with the boxing aspect of martial arts. Yeah, I know, but the kick, his kicks were effective, especially those teeps to the midsection, the ones that he had against Mendez. Those oh, no question, so, but, I, but again, we're talking about... He, he's getting Mendes away from his game. Six years ago. Right, he's, get, he's getting away from, uh, I think, yeah. what made him who he is. I think so, and, you know, part of that is, I think that's twofold, and it's something that I kind of addressed in some stuff that I wrote for the New York Post over the weekend, too, is just that inactivity really hurt him, and he noted that. He was, he was very upfront about how... I think he's very aware. inactive over the last few years hurt him. And I think also being inactive, it really took him away from the fact that that calf kick is it, it's like a it's like a main weapon now for most fighters. Yeah, it's a mainstream attack. Yeah, this isn't there's nothing niche about this. This isn't, you know, when we're when we're talking about Benson Henderson unveiling this magical kick that was effective against Frankie Edgar a bunch of years ago that Joe Rogan didn't even have a name for. <laughs> It's it's very much a part of a, a many streak uh, many strikers offense now, and it's it's something he should have been prepared for. Yeah, I mean, has Dustin really used it that much though? No, but I mean, so... I'm not that I remember. He's not known for that necessarily. But I mean, shoot, you, are you only training for Dustin, or are you training to become a better fighter? I mean, if you why why isn't he working it? You know, well, I think that 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 varies fighter to fighter. Sure, sure, no question. But I, think, I mean, and, and for hit, someone like Connor, like I, I feel like he's not evolving. Is is kind of what I'm getting at here. I don't know that he is necessarily evolving as a fighter. He might not be concerned anymore. He already reached the top. Thinks he might. So uh, he probably is self aware of that, and he might actually get back to trying to add more things to his game and get better. I don't know that he got comfortable like that. I think he just, I, I really do, if, if I'm to step into the mind of a man who I've never actually met in person, I asked him a question at a press conference once, but that's it. Uh, if, if I'm to step into the mind of someone I don't really truly know, I would say, I think he probably just really did fall in love with the hands and the boxing. And, and, that's, and he really thinks that that's his bread and butter. I mean, people have been saying since the Mayweather fight that he's really hasn't been himself and maybe he trained so much boxing he really did fall in love with boxing yeah I, I think that's what it is i don't think there's a complacency necessarily so much i think there's it's just kind of he he didn't evolve with the way fights have been going because he's, he hasn't been that active he he took one fight that lasted 40 seconds over the last two plus years and before that he had taken almost two years off of mma yeah so it, it's really hard to say 
that this is someone who's really dialed into what's happening in the octagon these days. Yeah. But he at least he see he knows that he, he's aware of of yes absolutely of it, and so. he you know in the press conference after uh to your point he basically started kind of thinking about you know maybe I need to come up with a new um you know a stance or something like that change change things up he was already thinking about ways that he could try to switch it up and, and evolve so I I have faith in his ability and his drive his motivation he doesn't seem like anyone who's dispirited by the loss or anything like that like credit to I'll give this much to Connor, who, you know, truthfully is not my favorite uh, person in this sport, just from all the actions that we've seen over the years and that, that type of thing. Um, I will give him this. He a- absolutely does seem driven to be the best. He does. He, he's proved to me that he does love fighting and isn't just in love with the money that came his way because of it. So I'll give that to him. And I have faith he'll come back and, and probably be a much improved fighter. Okay. I, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but that brings us to my next point. A sec, uh, portion that I love. It's some of my favorite things to talk about is fantasy matchmaking. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You you do have to be a, uh, a matchmaker. Where sir. where do both of these guys end up next? I think. Well, obviously, Dustin really ought to be in whatever title fight is up for grabs. Like the you don't you don't win a fight like this in this high profile with his resume and make him have to fight one more time before he gets a crack at gold. Give him a crack at gold. I, he already I, had the interim gold. The guy probably wants the real thing, and I don't get the sense he's sticking around forever in this sport either. He's already been around a while. Yeah, he's yeah. been around a that, long time. I, I was just thinking about this earlier today. The first time I'd ever heard of him, and he'd started in the WEC. I just didn't know about him then when I was watching. But the first time I'd heard about him, I'm pretty sure that was the fight that he he took kind of late notice against Justin or uh, Josh Grisby. Do you remember Josh Grisby? I remember the name. By any chance? Yeah. So he was supposed to fight Jose Aldo, and that was going to be the very first UFC featherweight title fight. Aldo would have come in as the champion. He was he was essentially given the belt because he was the WEC champion. No problem there. Yeah. <laughs> the guy was clearly the best for a long time. Um, but yeah, he was going to be the first challenger in the UFC, and I believe Aldo got hurt which was kind of a thing for a little while. He kept kind of falling out of these title fights. Oh, yeah. So Grisby took another fight, and it was against Poye, and Poye beat him. All right. So he already, like, he had already really arrived on the scene. I think we, I think we may have actually watched that fight at, together. I don't remember. I definitely, I have a weird memory of watching it on my uh, my iPad, my iPhone Touch. Was there a or deep? My, yeah, my, 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 oh, it was the iPod Touch. I didn't have an iPhone. I never had was there iPhone. a deep Darce in there somewhere? Deep Darce attack? I don't know. I mean, it sounds like Poirier. That's what I. Yeah, that's what I, I remember. <laughs> it certainly makes yeah, sense. It could just be any random Poirier fight that that. Yeah, was that was his. So. That was his flight. Uh, excuse me. That was his featherweight debut, January first, twenty eleven. That was the same day that it was on the same card as uh, Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard. I don't think we watched that together. I was. I was no, up in. Yeah, uh, no, we we did not. I was up in the boonies for that one. Okay. I'm pretty sure you were not there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was a, a surprising. Kind of, he came in, he came on the scene and already announced himself. So this is someone who now for 10 years has really been at the top stage. Like he's not always fought the absolute best guys, but I mean, he's, he's had appropriate fights all the time, if not higher. And, you know, if you take away the McGregor fight, which I mean, that dude was super sucked out at that point. He he probably should have already moved up to lightweight. Um, not to make excuses. I mean, McGregor beat him. It's fair. It's fair. McGregor also was sucking himself out. But you take that away. You take away the no contest against uh, Eddie Alvarez, which you know, arguably, like what was going on with that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Michael Johnson got the flash KO in a minute and a half. We're talking about a guy who really doesn't have a whole lot of setbacks in his career. Like really, truly, like he's only lost five times, six times. And it's all to the best guys or these kind of like, you know, situations that really he learned from. Yeah, he's he's, he's had a great career. And, and yeah, and we can all assume Khabib is done. So yeah, the next the next fight for Dustin should be for a belt. And I think there's yeah, only one guy it can be against. I think it can only be against Oliveira. Okay. I think this guy is the one who deserves the uh, the title shot because he has a similar career as Dustin Poirier. He does. He does. So, I, I mean, was at his UFC debut when he was 20 years old in San Diego. So, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that these guys have been so long. They haven't really fought for the actual title yet. It's it's cool to see guys who came in as like prospects and and really worked their way up over the course of 10 years to the point where they're very clearly two of the best, if not the best lightweights on the planet. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great fight. I don't I'm wondering how much that sells. I mean, maybe maybe a fight like this, a win like this helps Poye become a bigger name on his own. Yeah, I would like to think so. I hope so, because he's I mean, it's hard to it's hard to dislike the guy. And he's a, he's a finisher. He's fun. So and, and and seems like just a good person with with charity on his mind, family on his mind. I'm a family man, too. So I respect that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be a great fight. I and, like it. And then you got to I don't think Chandler should get the next shot, even though he had a great performance. Him versus Gaethje is a perfect matchup. I think that's super fun. I like that one, too. If if Gaethje isn't matched up against Connor, you think that's the ma- I think the, ma- the match to make right now is Connor Nate three. I think you can do a bunch of things with Connor. Honestly, it's it's pretty much whatever interests him, because the guy's gonna be able to still dictate terms of who he wants to fight. Yeah, that's true. Um, so for him, and, and I mentioned this in my story too. I, I picked a couple names out. Nate obviously makes sense too. Uh, you know, I think that's the first name I would come up with too. But also, I think you can still say Gaethje too because he's coming off of a high profile loss too. And it's also, you know, someone with big kicks, too. So if 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 that's someone that he wants to if he wants to prove himself against a kicker like Gaethje, that would go a long way towards it. Right. Well, He better work a lot on that. He sure better. But but yeah, that would be one. Tony Ferguson, I think, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I think we're running out of time to get Tony Ferguson against him. Uh, You know, I mean, it's it's, it's really falling off. It's a fun fight, but I uh, does Tony deserve it? I don't know. Does Tony deserve? Oh my God! How many fights did he win in a row before he didn't get a title shot? And then get, but he got crushed in his past two outings, like crushed. I know, but you know, Connor's coming off of a big loss here, and and I think the I, the way I would look at him against Tony now is it's almost like a safety fight, so to speak. I mean, there's not a safe fight against Tony Ferguson. Don't get me wrong, but you're coming off you you would be putting him against someone who's lost two fights in a row, right? Yeah, I guess. Very lopsidedly. And, you know, again, this kind of depends on what Connor wants for himself. You know, maybe he sees that and says, this is an opportunity for me to get a high profile win over somebody that people have wanted to see me fight for a long time. And I think the risk is minimal compared to some other guys. Before Ferguson's completely written off. Yeah, I, I I worry about Tony um, in a lot of ways, honestly. But as far as his fighting career. I I don't know how much more he's got. I mean, he really took a ton of damage in that Gaethje fight. He didn't look remotely qualified to be in the cage against Charles Oliveira, and that, that's not something we foresaw. No, we. I but it's the way it happened. Be, I don't think that yeah. was just an off night. I think there was something wrong there. I just think so, Charles also looked really good. He did. I don't want to take anything away from Oliveira, but yeah, I, I think I think if you're gonna do, if you're saying to yourself ever that you really still want to see Ferguson against McGregor. 
I think you got to do it now. Oh, yeah. If that's if if they want to do that fight now, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. And I would say the last the last potential option could be uh, Dan Hooker. Even I could I could see that too. I mean, we got to see what's up with Hooker. He's, they supposedly he left his gloves in the cage. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, I so, that. supposedly he he left his gloves in the cage. So and no one really knows what it meant because he hasn't really talked yet. Who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. So huh. I wonder if his contract is up or who knows. Yeah, I mean he's only thirty, but I mean the sacrifice he had to put in for this fight, and he can't even go home for another month. Being away from much. his family, yeah, I mean that's tough. I, I mean, I don't know what I would do if I was in his shoes, but you know, from afar, I look at it and I'm like, I couldn't do it. I would miss my family dearly. Yeah, plus but it, that's how he provides for his family. That's how he provides for his family. Yeah, plus it was also right after loss, so you know, usually emotional retirements or or, or things like that tend to not mm-hmm. stick. But we'll I see. would think so, especially he, I mean guys probably in some form of concussion yeah so it, i mean that was he ate a really 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 hard left from michael chandler Man, there michael and, chandler. and so i mean those those like piston punches that chandler was landing on him on the ground that was crazy i mean my goodness michael chandler but, promo of the year so far that was good oh that was awesome yeah <laughs> we're, we're we don't have much competition yet it's, it's pretty much that and oh yeah whoever the ufc wants to put me against is fine well but so wait, I did. I did mention. I said earlier. I said if Dustin's fighting for the belt next, he his only opponent can be Oliveira. Oliveira, yeah. But if Khabib is somehow wants to come back, I think his only fight is Chandler, and that's the only one I want to see because it's new. I would argue Oliveira. Either one, I'd be good with. But I think okay. Chandler's only in the discussion if it's Khabib. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think it would be yeah, it would be between the two of them, but. Uh... Connor's not, or excuse me, Khabib is right, not. Yeah, he's back. not. But I, I just wanted to point that out because I'm not, I'm not overlooking what Chandler did. Yeah, no, for sure, I get you. But uh, we did have a uh, one contested round. Yeah, just one contested round. Honestly, this was a really good, strong finish to the UFC Fight Island experience. The latest uh, edition of that, from a judging standpoint, I don't think we had a whole lot of, uh, certainly no decisions that were were kind of wonky. But there are even very few rounds. So we had one here, like you said, a contested round. What did you think of this round? This round is Mavsar Evloev. He got the win by split decision over Nick Lentz. First round went to Lentz. Third round went to Evloev. It was round two. That was the split with Eric Cologne being the minority for Lentz. What did you think? Ben Cartledge and Sutherland, by the way, had it for Evloev. Yeah, so when I heard it was a split decision, I was like, wait, really? I was taken aback a little bit. Uh, and I... And- before I rewatched it, I really didn't I didn't see much of an argument for uh, Lentz getting round two. Mm-hmm. But I watched it again with open mind. See, maybe I'm missing something. And I think yeah. I think an argument can be made for Lentz in that round. What What is that? Illustrate that for me. So there's no doubt Evloev is winning the striking, but he's not winning it by that large of a margin. Lentz is still landing. He's getting some good knees to the body. And some of those chokes on that second watch, they seemed to be... A little bit better than I remember watching live. Hmm. It, it's interesting you say that about the chokes because I I also rewatched this round. I, I think it deserved a second look. We don't have too many rounds. Might as well watch this one again for sure uh, in a split decision. And, you know, watching it again, I didn't think those chokes looked all that close. I honestly didn't. They were, they were probably as, as effective in, you know, in my point of view the second time as it was the first time. I didn't think so. But you do bring up a good point about the striking. The striking wasn't it was not a blowout of a round. You know, for Evloev, Evloev did land better and more often, in my opinion. I, I, I think there were several times where he landed on Lentz and you could just tell Lentz 
had an issue with it. And we found out later it's because, oh, yeah, he lost 40% of the vision in one of his eyes. That's wild. So you can understand why uh, and also <laughs> why he shouldn't be. Fi- how, how does that happen? I don't know how ter- we've got we've got champions fighting with glass eyes and also this is what are the, what are the medical teams on these commissions doing? It, it's a wild how Michael Bisping fooled people for so long. I, I mean, <laughs> shouldn't that be just like a base question? Like, do you have a fake eye? Yes it, or no? Hundred percent. Can we can can that be added to the medicals? <laughs> He's gonna say no though. Of course, but like, <laughs> I mean. Gosh, how do you? We can't be having that. Like it's gonna, and, and I don't want to take anything away from someone like Bisking or Lentz. Lentz obviously was, you know, one decision, one judge's uh, decision away from winning this fight, and Bisping obviously became the champion. But I don't know that. I know it's, I know it's cage fighting, but I mean, come on, that's crazy. <laughs> Lentz, he did have good leg kicks too. I thought in this round. No, he did. He's so, a... um, but uh, back to your point about the. The chokes. No, these were not close, especially when you compare them to the ones he had in the first round. Oh, that first round one. I almost I really was not convinced that he was going to go out, but I was like, man, he's really close. He, 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 that, those I, were tight. I, that one. I mean, that alone almost won the round for me. But I mean, you know, you still grade the whole round um, and Evlo have landed some in the first round, but it didn't matter. I do think. Uh, and also want to point out too, DC. Saying in round two, did you catch him saying, "Oh yeah, round one"? You just don't see judges very often going for the guy on the bottom. It's like they go for the guy who's. I don't remember that. Got the yeah no. DC, I I caught this the second time I was listening. They the judges will grade the winner. They will assess the winner based on who has the more effective offense, striking and grappling. If they're on the bottom and they're more effective, they'll win it. We already mm-hmm. saw it at Fight Island, and DC is like, "Oh, we don't see it very often." And I'm like, "Dude, you were there." <laughs> For another one, it happened. It's it's tough to get certain things out of your head. To, to DC's credit, he actually seems like he's trying to evolve. But it's almost like he talks more about judging now that he seems like he's trying to evolve. So he's he's, he's, he's giving himself a higher percentage chance of getting it wrong because he's giving himself more chances <laughs> yeah. too. But I mean, I appreciate that there is some effort there, and we can uh, apparently we can credit uh, Ben Cartledge for that. The one of the judges who was at Fight Island. Who we've had on the show as well. Yeah, he's been helping DC, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I I don't I don't think this is a bad score right. from uh, Eric Cologne here to to go for Lentz. I disagree with it. I I do I I, I would be I'd be hard pressed to say yeah I would go that way. But um I can understand an argument. Sure. Right. Yeah. I I still scored it for Evlove the second time, but if Cologne gave me the reasoning behind it and you know and said yeah I thought the chokes were 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 just as good or, or i thought they were pretty good attacks and I, I thought he kept the striking close enough and that put it over for me i, I mean I, I i would accept that yeah i i, I mean I, again disagree like i said but it's this is not a bad score this is not a bad right. decision it's just it's just one that i i don't agree with and i think that's okay that's fine you're allowed to disagree especially because my opinion matters much less than his does <laughs> <laughs> let's be real <laughs> And we did have actually another uh, round from Cologne where he was uh, the out judge. And that's, this was part of our 10-8 watch. The only 10-8 score on the entire card, actually, from any judge. And that was in the third round of Armin Sarukian, unanimous decision over Matt Frivola. Frivola. I always say this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was 30-27s across the board except for the 30-26 from Cologne because in round three he gave a 10-8 to Sarukian. Did you see 
an argument for a 10-8 or yeah. the 10-8 itself? I scored a 10-9, but I think you can go 10-8. I would have liked to seen more offense from Sarukian to go 10-8, but really, Favola was just kind of scrambly. Nothing really offensive at all. Kind of defensive so the whole are way. What are you giving out here? Because you got to get to two Ds unless yeah, there's kind so of big I, diminishing I, blows, right? I think you can go damage, and I think you can go... Uh, you can check dominance slightly based on the grappling because he coupled it with offense while he was there. Uh, but like I said, I'd want to see more offense for me mm-hmm. to go there personally. Yeah, I I don't think this. I think this is kind of like one of those very borderline 10-8 rounds that, I mean, I don't even know if I would go 10-8 in our system. I'd, I'd have to think about it. I probably would because I like to push it. You know, I think that's a good yeah. thing to get a little bit more diversity in the scores. And, and obviously ours is a make-believe system anyway. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, here, yeah, I, I just didn't quite see it. I don't think it's bad either. It, it's not like a, it's not like it was just a generic 10, nine round. It was a good round. And if you look at the, even the, the striking numbers of this one, it, there was a big disparity. We had a lot of swings and misses from Favola. You know, he was like, he would kind of throw a, like a spinning kick out there on his feet and a totally whiff. And then he followed up with another one that he would totally win. Yeah, it was, it was really nothing there for him offensively. Yeah, it was a total nothing burger of offense from him. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think I would have liked to have seen more effective offense land from Favola. From Sarukian. Or excuse me, from Sarukian. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's not crazy to go there. And, you know, we're talking about a third round. It didn't make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's really all the, all the contested rounds. We had a couple lightning rounds. Yeah, we'll go through quick, quick lightning ones. rounds here. Rounds that honestly didn't make much of a difference. Don't I don't have much of a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, and we'll start with Joanne Calderwood, who got 30-27 by two and 29-28 over Jessica I. Round one was that uh, round where they diverged. And this was two gave it for 10-9 for obviously for Calderwood. That was Eric Cologne for this one and uh, Andrews Olsen. And then the out judge here was Ben Cartledge gave it to I. I thought this is a really close round. Uh, no pun intended because I said I. <laughs> uh, close round. I think Calderwood took over in the second half of the round and was able to, you know, edge it. But yeah. I had good success early on. Yeah, this fun round. Uh, they both really went for it. I'm a little shocked that they didn't get fight of the night. I thought thought this was the fight of the night. It was the funnest fight. It was a good fight. For me. Uh, I had Calderwood edging it based on her work to the body, especially the knees and the clinch. I thought yeah. I probably landed slightly better to the head, but overall Calderwood had the edge. Yeah, no, I I would agree. Uh, but you know, this is this is one of those rounds. It's like, yeah, I get the argument both ways. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, it was, it was just close. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta distance yourself a little bit better if you're gonna if yeah. you're gonna try and get mad about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? For sure. And then round one of Brad Tavares, another thirty twenty seven, and then two twenty nine twenty eights over Antonio Carlos Jr. Round one, we had the split. It was two giving it to Carlos Jr. That was Ben Carlos here and Olsen. Uh, and then the third, the out judge was David Leatherby who gave it to Tavares. I saw it for Carlos Jr. Did you as well? I did as well. I mean, this round, he fought so defensively. Like he, His goal was to make sure Tavares got no offense while mm. supplying just a very little bit of offense of his own. He kind of he kind of yeah. stalled it out. Tavares didn't land anything except really a couple leg kicks. I thought uh, that were anything that all that effective. But Carlos Jr. really didn't do much himself. I just thought he did slightly more. Isn't it hard to say Carlos Jr. without saying Carl's Jr.? I said that I had a hankering for Carl's Jr. on Saturday night. 
after this fight. I think I've had Carl Carl's Jr. one time. Is that good? It, it's it's good. It used to be a uh, a kiosk in Yankee Stadium. Oh no, kidding! So uh, that that usually was my go to. Oh, all right, right on. Games. No, I don't. I I think I I only knew about them in like California or something like that, right? Yeah, they're in a lot of the the stoner movies, like uh, Seth Rogen and and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I I in my mind, I picture it being in California. I'm sure it's in plenty of places, and maybe yeah. not in California. But if I was when I was in California, we didn't get Carl's Jr. We got In and Out. In and Out. Yeah. You can't get In and Out on the Eastern Seaboard. I still never had it. It's good. Don't let people tell you it's the most amazing thing in the world because they're wrong. Okay. I put it next to Wendy's, which I really like. Yeah, Wendy's is solid. I mean, I really haven't had much fast food in a while. I've had less of it, too. We've been supporting local business around here for the pandemic. Uh, so it, a lot of our meals, we, we order like once in a week, once a week out uh, now. But we try to make sure it's somebody in town. Yeah, that's good. Support your local business, everybody. Yeah, or else they're not going to be around. That's right. Uh, but but yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's crazy to go for Tavares here. I didn't. Really, just a either. low output round. So. Yeah, anytime you get that, it's always tough. Yep. So let the be let the be going to Vars here. Not a big deal. And fortunately, even though it was the first round, didn't make a difference. No, did not. And then the last round, we have the the only other round where we had a descent here. Mahmoud Muradov getting the third round TKO over Andrew Sanchez on the main card. But in round two, this was a round that didn't go to Muradov, even though he won the first. Uh, at least not not from everybody. Two out of three. Cologne, again, on this one. Uh, and Leatherby, too. They were the ones in the majority here, whereas Paul Sutherland was the out judge who gave it to Sanchez. Who do you side with? Uh, I sided with the majority. Okay. Uh, I too. thought Sanchez had the edge early, and then uh, Muradov just took over because he landed some good heavy shots towards the end of the round. He had a really strong finish to that round. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think he, it was it was hard to kind of go all the way over to Murdov, but I think he made it easy at the very, very end. Right. Yeah, it was like so. a, kind of a tale of two rounds, uh, two halves, kind of. Yeah, and that's that. Somewhat. I guess so. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. It was yeah. the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> but that, that that does it. We had some unanimous rounds. We had plenty of unanimous rounds. I, you know, we'll just name check the fights really quickly to to say that the judges were all in agreement here. Uh, Amir Albazi, 29-28 times three over Zalga Sumagulov. All the judges got that one right. Marcin Pracnio getting a getting the 29-28s over Khalil Roundtree. He got one and three in that one. Uh, Juliana Pena got the third round rear naked choke really late in the round. Mm -hmm. But the fight was split going into that one. 10-9 McMahon in the first. 10-9 Pena in the second. Marina Rodriguez. Rodriguez, right? It's Rodriguez? Yeah. And Marina Rodriguez. She got the man, the win over Amanda Hebos in an, a little bit of an upset, right? A lot of people were picking yeah, Hebos to yeah, win that one. People, people uh, round two TKO that. after Hebos had won the first round on all the judges' cards. And then, of course, Poirier, as we know, beat McGregor, but McGregor did win that round. Um, shout out quick. We already mentioned a bunch of the judges on this card, but we should shout out that Clemens Werner and Mike Bell were on here as well. You didn't hear us say are their names, but all told, all these judges throughout the entire three fights of this uh of this event of this uh fight island here along with lucas bosaki who who did some judging early on you know the referees i think there was a lot of excellent refereeing i i'm not a huge fan of the the stoppage in the he fight from herb dean i a little I, strange mostly because of mostly because of the it almost appeared to be indecision was that truly indecision i don't know but i don't understand why he came in almost made contact and then moved out of the way it was kind of a it was a strange 
confusing case. And if I was a fighter, I'm sure I'd be pretty damn confused too. Yeah, that that was a confusing, confusing thing. It was weird. Yeah, you, just, you know, it it seems like the best course of action as a referee, as a, as an observer, would be do something, not you know waffle. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, he rushed in and then maybe got a closer look. I was like, oh, maybe she's not all the way, you know, finished yet. And then it was just all the, it was in the way at that point. I don't know. And, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't think it's the worst Herb Dean stoppage that we've seen even in the last year or so. Uh, Herb is still a referee that I would trust in in fights. Oh, There's yeah. obviously referees who I'm, I'm a, probably a bigger fan of at this point. I think Jason Herzog is someone who absolutely needs to referee uh, UFC title fights much more often. Yeah, he's very good. I think he's totally deserving. Keith Peterson, I love when Keith Peterson's assigned there. Yeah, Peterson's good. Mark Goddard, of course. Oh, you, you really can't go wrong with what whoever they had out there. To, they're they're so. terrific referees. We we we're in a really good place in the sport, I think. So, but also some. But yeah, shout out to everybody, and especially all the ones who are still on their way home because travel from Fight Island to your respective homes. Uh, these judges, it takes a long time. I understand it can take much more than twenty four hours to get home. Long trip. Yeah, so I hope everybody's safely traveling. Same for the fighters and everybody who's leaving Fight Island. And for the finishes? Finishes, yeah, we had five of them. It was looking like we weren't going to have many finishes, and then all of a sudden the main card starts, and we get and most of these are ending, and it was great. So we had four uh, TKO or KO. And by the way, you know, I wanted to I wanted to bring this up because one of those was, of course, the main event with Poye getting the TKO of McGregor. Did you think that was a TKO or a KO? I thought it was a TKO. My, from how I always perceived it, I always if a guy's like not out completely and he's getting wailed on, and the ref has to jump in to stop him, I feel like that's a TKO. If uh, the guy goes out and and the ref stops it, like before any other further shots can be landed, I find that would be a KO. But I mean, I'm not sure. Well, Big John McCarthy fortunately uh, gave us at least a, a, a fairly simple explanation in, in his own words as to what the unified rules define as a KO compared to a TKO, right? So he said if a fighter is not intelligently defending and the referee stops the fight, it is a TKO. If the fighter cannot defend themselves and the referee stops the fight, it is a KO. Okay. So it's not about a loss of consciousness one way or the other. It's that they cannot defend themselves. Okay. So with that in mind, and having watched this over again, I saw Connor lack the ability to defend himself. He could not defend himself. He really did go out. And and he, he just, there was no, <laughs> no one could have shouted fight back and he would have fought back. He was not even there to hear that. Okay, that's fair. And I, but I do think it happened kind of just as he was coming in. Having said that, I mean they they decide KO or TKO, you know, in the in the moments thereafter. So, not that we should get crazy hung up on whether it was a KO or a TKO. It, you know, we mostly treat them just about the same. And if you remember it, you still remember what happened. But I just thought it was an interesting kind of uh, little look at that, you know, clerical uh, distinction. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I'm not going to get too hung up on on that distinction. So. No, no, you don't have to go crazy, but interesting nonetheless, I thought. What was your favorite of these five? Let me guess. Was it a submission? It was the lone submission. <laughs> Juliana Pena, basically like a one and a half arm rear naked choke, if not a one she, arm. She's I mean, a monster. She, she Good squeeze. I loved her call out 
uh, of Amanda Nunez. I mean, it, it's got to be time at some point for them to the fight. You know, I, what bothered me was not that she made the call. And I think that was great. What bothered me was like right after on social media, I saw a bunch of people reacting negatively like, oh, it's too soon. It's like, what are you talking about? There's literally no one else for Amanda Nunez to fight. There's just nobody else. So that's number one. Number two, Pena has fought most of the people that are in that same range as her. Yeah, we saw her. Obviously, she fought Jermaine Durandame in October, and she did lose uh, by that surprising uh, guillotine choke that choked her unconscious, right? You remember yeah. that one? Also a third-round stoppage. Yep. But having said that, I mean, we already saw GDR fight Nunes. We're not going to see that one again. I don't have a problem with it. I just don't. Yeah. What else are we going to do with Amanda Nunes? Seriously. Yeah, she's just running out of new opponents. Just make it happen. Um, so I had no problem with that. But yeah, that was obviously, that was an excellent submission there. Uh, what was your favorite? Michael Chandler. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> we already talked about it. You know, that he caught he caught uh, Hooker with that that really like brutal left hook, right? That that was what put, and it was right after a kind of a straight punch to the body. So he followed it up with the He did, the and he, he was setting that up too because he was just throwing that straight to the body on its own. He was. For a little bit. Which is funny. What's funny though is is it was the left hook that put him out because he was, uh, but Hooker was circling away from the power on the right hand from Chandler most of the fight, but it still ended up being the left that put him out more or less. I mean, it was it put him down, and then what really seemed to put him out was all those punches that he was taking. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. like I said, they were like pistons. It was just rapid. That was that was like a visceral reaction I had watching. I was like, damn, that was that hurt. That was one of the best debuts in the UFC. There's not a better way to debut. So, I mean, seriously, you know, we've, we've had guys come into the UFC over the years and, and, you know, not always rise to the moment or, you know, maybe they just, they get caught. You know, I think of like Crow Cop getting caught by a head kick against Gabriel Gonzaga. That was yeah. disgusting. That was leg bent back in that fight. Yeah, that was, that was brutal too. Um, but yeah, hats off to Chandler, uh, who I had the chance to speak to last week for a story I did too. And, and, uh, you know, he, he's an engaging guy. He he seems like he wants to give you a well thought out answer to just about anything. I think pretty pretty much everybody's getting the, the gist of that now. If, if you weren't already familiar with him from Bellator, um, he'll be an interesting mix in, in here. I think he's going to be one of those guys. It's almost like Justin Gaethje, where Gaethje came in and he was just fun no matter what. And you didn't necessarily think that he was going to get to that championship fight or win that championship, but sure enough, he did win an interim belt, which he promptly threw on the ground. You know what? what's funny real quick about Gaethje is his coach, Trevor Whitman, mm-hmm. said when, when Gaethje came to him, he said he wanted to be the most exciting fighter on the planet. And then something changed. And he accomplished that. And something changed in Gaethje and said, oh, I want to be the best fighter on the planet. And that that Trevor said, okay, well, we have to train different. And, uh, you know, you got to You know what happened there? He lost a couple fights. Okay. That's definitely like, I mean, I don't know that, but I know that like, you know, it, it's so clear that his trajectory was, this is a guy who was no matter what, he was always winning. He was always fun. That's all he wanted to do. And then he tasted defeat a couple times in there. He's like, you know, I can be better. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best. That's what I think happened. Okay. Yeah. It's, and then he did at least for a while. Yeah. Credit to him. And I think Chandler could be the same way. Now he's actually someone who has already lost before and, and, you know, he would admit he, he he told me he he took his lumps. You know, he's lost some fights, but even though he's logged a lot of cage time and been in a lot of rough fights, I could see a scenario where he actually could get to that belt and even win it. I don't know. He's a wild card. It's an interesting wild card now. Yeah, one fifty five. It definitely gets more interesting. 
title-wise of who, who could actually get there without Khabib there. You know why 155 is so interesting right now? Why? Because it's been such a mess for years and all these fights <laughs> that should have been happening weren't happening. It's almost like it was like we were they were trying to like screw themselves for years so that ultimately don't worry about it it's going to be good later this i mean that's totally accidental they, they stumbled into that but what we have right now is because of so much backlog and the fact that most of these guys haven't fought each other so now now that everybody's around it's like wow you can't go wrong with these matchups you really you really and they can't, can't. Pick, so let's let's yeah. enjoy what we have we don't yeah. have to you know dwell on the past but that's how i see it yeah this is going to be a fun time for that division i think so too uh, that, that's that really, it for Fight Island. Yeah. We don't even have an event for UFC this coming weekend, which is yeah. You know, I'm okay with the break. We had three yeah. in a, in eight days. Like, give me a break. That's fine. Yeah, take a piece of that Kit Kat bar. <laughs> I like that. Um, but before we let you go, we do have a movie judgment, and this time I assigned Scott a movie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dan had a little bit of trouble coming up with uh, a fight, uh, a movie, I should say, that I haven't actually watched because I've seen a lot more movies than him. But we finally settled on. School of Rock with Jack School Black. School of Rock. Which it's is... a movie that actually had been on my list for a while to watch. So I'm actually glad that you picked it. So what did you think of it? So I liked it. I want to start by saying I did like it. But it was kind of one of those movies where I'm sitting there and I'm watching. And I'm like, this is fine. I'm, it's enjoyable. But I wasn't like totally engaged with it or really laughing that hard at it. It got me laughing. I forget when at one point I did laugh out loud pretty good. But um, it wasn't that type of comedy for me. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, a a fun movie. Yeah, that people enjoyed. I don't nothing special about it. It's a movie that I think when my kids are eh, probably, I would say, when they're like early teenagers or preteens or something like that, it would be it could be a fun movie to watch with them. Yeah, it, it's just just a fun movie. Jack Black's always fun. Yeah, I don't usually, I don't dislike usually. Jack Black. He's not always my favorite, but uh, yeah, he's fine. So how would you uh, how'd you rate it? I would give this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in the middle. I'm actually gonna do a half point. I'm gonna cop out here. It's a ten eight and a half. Cop out and a half. Ten eight and a half. That's a hell of a cop out. Come on. Just um, <laughs> oh. All right. You want you want me to pick a side? Yeah, pick a side. Ten eight. Okay, that's fair. I got yeah, it as a ten eight. A... Uh, I, and usually I'm like too easy going with my grades, so I'm almost like forcing myself in this system to go more harshly. I I it's a, it's a low grade ten nine for me. Yeah. That's the thing. is It's like a high 10-8 or low 10-9. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's a, it's a good assessment. It was, you know, would I, would I be so, would I super excited to watch this movie again, like I said, with my kids one day? I mean, no, but if it, we were looking for something to do and, you know, me and my, my oldest right now, we do movie Sunday most Sundays. Today we actually watched Despicable Me. I love Minions. He, he was really enjoying the Minions. He actually has a stuffed Minion that he's had for years, but he never actually seen the movie. So we, we watched it, and he's like, oh, that's who they are. They're silly. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time. He, he had a nice time with it. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was fine. It's whatever. Next time you watch my movie, though. What's your movie? Oh, you're going to watch The Martian. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I was supposed to watch it a while ago. You sure were. But this <laughs> time we'll get you on it because there's no fight coming up this week. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Capside Judges. Fight Island is over. We have no fights for the next two weeks, uh, but we'll have something for you. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Maybe uh, we've actually got something we've got in the works, so we'll figure out what we can do for you, and and, uh, hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy Friday's show. Hope everybody has a nice week. Yep, thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.